Move right down inside the cars, use all available space, use all doors to board the train. This train is about to depart, stand clear of the closing doors. You're listening to Inside the Spud Goodman Radio Show. Let's get ready, Trumbo! And here he is, the head cheese meister. It's Spud Goodman. Greetings, and our Ola. I am Spud Goodman. It's Pepto Biswell. That's good stuff. Welcome to our little podcast. You know, with this new project, we're doing a full autopsy on handpicked episodes that, that I feel, you know, need another look. Uh, so we're, we're going to show all, I mean, everything, like the good, the bad, and a tiny bit of the ugly, too, as, you know, some things are out of my control. So let me introduce our designated laugher, my Aunt Dorothy. Give us a good chortle, if you would. Here you go. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, well, you know, I, I'm no professional laugher myself, but that sure sounded more like a guffaw than a chortle. Well, and you know, I am no professional laugher myself. Uh, we both know I only do this out of family obligations, but uh, uh, you know, I am a freaking volunteer, so you should be more than happy with even a weak ch- chortle or chuckle. Yeah. Okay. I, I get it. Okay. Now I'm going to introduce our temporary permanent co-host, Gerald Holcomb. Uh, I'm in a fairly decent mood right now. So you have a few seconds to say hello and partially express, you know, yourself. Uh, not fully, mind you. Really? Oh, well, that's awesome. Uh, okay, then. I am Gerald Holcomb. And as uh, Spud said, I am the co-host of this podcast. Uh, it's, uh, it's still the temporary co-host. It, well... Yeah, well, that would be a temporary, permanent co-host, and I am really excited as we're going to take an in-depth look at episode 62, the Running for Office episode, which aired back on January 22nd, 2015. It features actor-comedian J.B. Smoove, uh, actor-comedian David Koechner, along with musical guest Shotgun Kitchen. Uh, Let's get this thing started, why don't we? Uh, Hey, Dude, don't get carried away here. I let well, you read the promo copy for the first time, and it was, it was okay, but you're getting ahead of things. As I have, I've not yet introduced our intern, Chance. Uh, Chance, I apologize uh, for Gerald's ignoring your presence and contributions to this podcast. Take no offense, Chance. I did, I did just get a, get a bit too excited, and I forgot about you just for a moment. But, uh, okay, Spud, should I introduce Chance now? <laughs> no, no that, that's my job. Uh, I give you a few more seconds of airtime to start the podcast, and and you take advantage of my generosity. Jeez. Okay, now here is our intern, Chance, who is, yeah, supposedly uh, to be really popular, okay? I'll just say it. Uh, That's what I've been told to say anyway. If you believe a a bunch of old listener surveys they were pushing on us when we were on the radio, uh, go ahead and say something now. Well, those surveys which said I was the most popular person on the show were 100% accurate. People really like me. Well, let's just agree to disagree on that one, okay? So so do you have anything to add before we get to our first segment? Uh, just that I sure wish I had a juice box or something to drink. My throat's really dry. Oh, honey, no worries. I'll get you something. Thanks, Dorothy. A freaking juice box. Anyway, all right, we're going to play a bit uh, of the opening segment uh, of show number 62, which was recorded uh, yeah, in 2015, as he said, uh, the running for office episode. If I remember correctly, uh, Gerald had this great idea that if I were to run for office, it would really help out, you know, with the uh, show's ratings. Uh, yeah, uh, but but dude, Gerald. As everyone knows, no one actually likes politicians, but you were pounding on the name recognition thing for me and how, you know, nobody knew me then. And after all those years of me hosting my own cable TV show and later radio show, I didn't get it. it, Well, really, it was a stupid idea. I mean, yeah, I know. Anyway, somebody played the opening segment. So, well, you know, I know that uh, I know that people probably a lot of people hate my guts they're the people that are listening right now so i am grateful that for anybody who actually took the time to tune us in i don't think anyone hates your guts bud maybe at times you generate some degree of animosity and now that we've breached the topic 
I've been meaning to speak to you about an idea I had. It might mitigate the feelings you have of many say about you, at least here locally. You know what they say, first conquer your hometown, and then you can take on the world. I've never heard of that one before. I think you just pulled that out of your butt. No, no. Before we forget this, you know, we got, we, hey, I need to introduce our designated laugher, Gina. How are you tonight? Do you really want to know? I found that most people that say that could really care less and have already moved on. No, seriously, how are you doing? Well, if you really want to know, today was a rough one for me. My blender broke this morning, so I couldn't make my smoothie. And that was a bad start, and, and it only got worse from You know, it. now that you mention it, seriously, though, maybe you should keep most of this minutia of your day to yourself. I mean, everyone has problems, you know? I, am I the only one in this room who feels the show's momentum has now stopped dead here? It's my bad for asking. I guess I'm partially responsible. Well, I'm sorry you feel that uh, way. Gina, but... I, I got this, but... I think I found a way for you to improve your likability. We both know that those truly successful in the entertainment industry, they all have one thing in common. They're extremely likable. Mm -hmm. now, don't Shut the f*** up, Donnie. Yeah, don't take this personal, but that's your Achilles heel. So what better way to try to improve it than launch a political campaign? You want me to run for office? People hate politicians more than they do talk show hosts. No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> Hell no, you can't! The, the experience of running for office can transform a formerly unlikable person into a dynamic individual. It forces one to address their shortcomings, and either they change or perish. Well, that sounds like a horrible experience. Who, no. who wants to perish? <laughs> and why would I want to run for office? I mean, come on. Well, my uncle ran for school board president. We all thought he was a big jerk, but he actually won. But it only lasted a couple of months before he got in trouble for dating the ASP vice president at the high school. You can't prevent yeah. everything. He got 17 months in prison. But before that, during his campaign, he even faked out his wife and kids into thinking that he had turned into a really decent person. Wow. During his campaign, though, it didn't seem to um, make him become likable, I guess. That's just until he got arrested for indecent liberties. Well, uh, we don't need to dwell on the negative aspect yeah. of holding office, Gina. Sure, some abuse their position, but I think... Look, I'm a talk show host. Why would I run for office? What? Do you watch Fox News? They have a bunch of politicians that host TV shows. A actually, the two professions are really similar. It's really not even <laughs> important that you win here. The process of running will get your name out there in the community, and if things go right, Spud Goodman will be a household name. Let's be real. How can you ever become a major national radio star before you're even a minor star in your own hometown? Well, Spud, it's about building a foundation to your that. eventual stardom across the country. It's your hopes and dreams being met. What do you think? Well, I think I need to play some music right now. I kind of need to think about this. I'm getting a headache. All right, right now we got. Well, first of all, I learned a valuable lesson. You know, listening again to that episode, never, ever ask someone how their day is going when you're on the air and running behind schedule. And they also agree with my aunt, you know, your idea, you know, about running for office was stupid. Well, I still think my idea was a good one, but I, I will say now that I'm much more politically informed. I was fairly naive before the 2016 election. You running for office would have been a big help for the show, but I should have demanded you to not take office if... Uh, for some fluke reason, you were actually elected, you, you know, given your political leanings, uh, being a communist. <laughs> Once again, I am not a communist, just well. a registered Democrat. And I should mention that was uh, recorded before, uh, you know, the criminally uh, indicted uh, sociopath Trump was who I guess was sort of elected president uh, on a technicality, you know, in the 16 election. Yeah. Well, Gerald, you now being such a big mega booster, I mean, you guys worship Donald Trump. I don't see how you stayed with this show over the years. I mean, you and Spud are now polar opposites politically. Well, I'm a professional, Chance. I've learned to block out Spud's liberalness, and I mean, it's been tough, but I'm not a quitter. Well, I've read some of the stuff you post on Facebook, Gerald. I try to block that out whenever I see you these days. Uh, are you sure you weren't at the Capitol on January 6, 2021? I mean, can you prove you were not there? Has the FBI questioned you? Listen, I was not at the Capitol on that day in 2021. I, I still oh. don't understand why everyone made such a big deal out of a simple rally for President Trump. I, I blame those Antifos uh, for all the fuss that was created. <laughs> oh, yeah, Gerald, it was those Antifas. 
but my dad still feels that way too, I guess. That might be the reason why my mom is making him sleep in the guest room these days. Okay, well, let's move on to an interview with one of my most favorite people. This was the first time he was on the show. I am referring to Mr. J.B. Smoove, quite possibly one of the two or three most funny humans on Earth. Uh, Somebody play it now, please. All right, please welcome J.B. Smoove to the Spud Goodman Show. I can't believe I just pulled a Larry King and referred to myself in a third person. Sorry about that. Anyway, how are you, you doing you tonight? You did do that. You did do that, man. I you did. Know, you, you, you did that exactly. You took the words right out of my mouth. Damn. What's going on, baby? So, okay. Now, let me do this. I need to make full disclosure here. I am a huge J.B. Smoove fan. Whatever project you're in, it's scary funny. Like funny where a person might wet themselves. And I know this is like asking Albert Einstein <laughs> how he got so smart, but how the hell did you get so freaking funny? Man, you know what it is, man? It's good genes, baby. You know? some like I, I, I use this analogy, man. It's good genes. You know what I mean? My mama's funny. Yeah. Everybody in my damn family, my grandmama was funny. Everybody's hilarious, man. It just came down to generation to generation. I'm sure at some point, some of my ancestors were hilarious. You know what I mean? I'm, sure, I'm, I'm almost positive. Because uh, I had to get it from somewhere, man. You know what I mean? But then again, I, I hope to spread this along to my to, to my children. You know what I mean? My children's children. So that, I'm, see, I'm, I'm trying to get an empire. This is a comedy empire I'm trying to build, man. It's not, it's a, it shouldn't just stop at myself. You know what I'm saying? It should keep going and going and going. That means in 20, 2099, it'll be funny people in the future. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They'll look back. They'll, they'll chase their, they'll trace their, their roots back to myself. Do, you know what I mean? Do you realize how valuable your seed would be if you actually were doing donations to sperm banks? How many people, comedy you know, worshippers, would be like just lining up outside to get samples? Do you understand that? I'm thinking about, here's what I'm thinking about doing. I'm thinking about going to a remote island somewhere. Become a comedy god, you know what I mean? Have them, have the people build me a pyramid, and I'll sit on top of the pyramid with a microphone and tell jokes every day at a certain time at sunset. You know what I'm saying? That I means I'm like the comedy sunset god. You know what I mean? I'm, that's what I'm thinking about doing. Absolutely. That's just, that's, just, that's just on my radar. You know what I mean? It's not something I've planned already, but it's on my radar where it's something I may try to do one day. You know, just go over and take over a whole island. You know? Absolutely. Well. You know, all right. Well, let me, why not? I got to hit you with this, I because I, there's so many things I want to ask you. And I know I don't have much time here. You're getting like a really great response to your performance in Chris Rock's film Top Five. And we had Cedric the Entertainer on recently, and he got great reviews too. So there were like 15 comedians in this movie. That's a lot of talent in one spot. So good thing a national disaster like a tornado or earthquake didn't go down because that's the A team of comedy. There was a lot of stuff at risk there, right? There's a lot, a lot, a lot of things at risk, man. A lot of moving parts. Yeah. I call it a lot of moving parts. A lot of ingredients in this jambalaya. You know what I'm saying? So, th- I mean, this is this is how you do a good movie, man. You, 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 you call friends. You call pieces of the puzzle that you know work perfectly. You know what I mean? And you know, Chris, man, he loves to work with his friends. So he loves to call in people that he knows that he loves. It, it all makes sense, man. When it's all done, you know what I mean? This, this is all a process, man. I tell people all the time. These, doing a movie is not is not is not as easy and clean cut as you think it is. You know, it takes pieces of the puzzle. You know, he wrote the movie, he he starred in the movie, he directed the movie. There's a lot of goddamn has to wear. You know what I'm saying? That's yep. all I'm trying to tell you. A lot yep. of damn has to wear. Yep. All right. Well, okay. Well, I cannot let you go any further without hitting you up uh, about your work with Larry David on Curb, your enthusiasm. The chemistry between you guys is something special. You don't even actually have to say anything to each other. Is it, it, man? Is he a perfectionist or does he just does he just go with the flow with you? He doesn't go with the flow, man. You know, on, on Curb Enthusiasm, we get an outline, but there, there is no dialogue. Mm-hmm. So we have no idea what we're going to say until he says action. Matter of fact, there is no rehearsal. You know, really? wow. all he wants to do is stand there and get, and get the spots for the cameras, but there's no rehearsal. There's nothing. There's no dialogue on paper. It's all just the outline of what this, show, what this particular episode is about. And after that, every, everything you hear out of my mouth is stuff off the dome, baby. I call myself off the dome. Wow. You know what I mean? And we just go way up the dome, man. And we just go back and forth a little bit, get a few takes of it, and move on to the next scene. So you're so not... Curb t- is no script. Wow. No script at all on Curb Enthusiasm. Wow. So he doesn't shoot hours for a couple minutes then? Yeah. Damn right. Okay. All right. All right. Shoot. Yeah. It's, it's that damn easy, man. It's that damn easy. Well, if you got the skill it's level. Fun. If you got the skill level, it's that damn easy. You gotta have a skill level, brother. You know what I mean? You gotta have the gift of gab. I call myself the gift of gab sometimes. I, I, I write that down sometimes on on paper when I sign my name. I put gift of gab. I don't wanna put JB Smooth. 
I, I, Sometimes I sign my name, Gip a Gab. That's accurate. I think that's a fairly accurate uh, description. Um, hey, well, we had Richard Lewis on our show, and he said he gets constantly bugged about whether there's going to be another season of the show. So I'll bug you too, off the record. Any word on whether there will be a season nine? There's no, there is, there, there is no, no, nothing is in place for season season nine. I mean, I would hope Larry would love to do another one. You know, Larry's rich, so that there is no, uh, you know. There's no timetable for this thing. I mean, Larry's loaded, man. Yeah. He, he he don't need the money, so it's not like he's doing it for the money. He's doing it for the laughs. He's doing it for the, to be around his friends. I, I would hope there would be a season a season nine. When I first met Larry, I told me he should he should do a season. He should do ten seasons together because you know ten seasons looks great in a box set. Eight looks kind of weird in a box set. You know what I mean? It, it doesn't. It, it's just a, a weird number. Good point. Eight has always been a weird number. Seven seven is a cool damn number. You know, people love luck seven. But, you, but eight has nothing. Names n- nothing with eight. eight. Eight has no relation to anything. Eight, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Except, yeah. except K plus eight. You know, K plus eight. You know, with all those damn kids. That's only that's the only reference to eight I've ever seen. You and know what I'm saying? A figure eight. You know, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Uh, other other than that, that's about it. Eight, eight. You know what? I take that back. Eight is pretty cool. It gets attention. Put it like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You know what? Like it's like if you drive your car and make a U-turn. No one says anything. If you drive me a car, you make a figure eight in the middle of the damn street, that gets attention. I promise you, that gets plenty of, plenty of damn attention. That's what I'm telling you. All so, right, all right. It, it's, it's not a popular number, but it gets attention. It does. like that. It does. Um, all right, super. Eight damn kids, right? Eight damn kids, attention. A figure eight in the middle of the street, attention. Right? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. You know, I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I'm damn right. You're speaking the truth. I got, I, I hear you. Um, You're damn right. Are, hey, you were a co-star on the CBS sitcom The Millers, so this is my question: uh, How, how, how strange was it doing a scripted three-camera standard sitcom after doing Curb? That'd be like going from speed metal to folk music. You're damn right it was, man. It, it was like being handcuffed. But, but you know what? See, that's when you got to separate your brain from like job to creative interest you know what i mean it's like you, you have to choose your medicine right you know what i mean it's good it's good to have a damn job but it's also good to have a job where you can do what the hell you want to do and um you know it, it is a different kind of animal it's like being on broadway hell, hell you know what larry david is is he's, he's going to be in a new broadway play starting in march so he can't do curb anytime soon and mo- and the play's going to go for six months so i gotta wait another we gotta wait another after march we gotta wait another six months to even figure out if he's even remotely thinking about doing curb enthusiasm again so, or, that, or that, that's a whole different animal. It's a whole different animal that, uh, Mills was a great show to be on, but it's a whole different animal. Well, with Larry, or we could hope for like horrible reviews on opening night and it closes in about a week. I mean, us Curb fans might have to be hoping for that. I'm just saying. Yeah. If you're a Curb fan, you, you would, you would pray for that. Absolutely. You know what I mean? You pray to the comedy gods that Curb enthusiasm is coming back. Or, or, or the play, or the play is not that great. And then Larry just decides to do a Kirby Enthusiasm stage play. You know what I'm saying? Oh, wow. That, that, that makes sense. Now, now you get two things for one. That would be, you know oh, what I'm yeah, I'd be flying to New York to catch that. I'm always thinking. Absolutely. See, I'm always thinking. I'm always thinking how to how to make something better, see? Well, you, you see are. I just, I, I just did that. And let's talk about New York here. You currently have a cable show on the Madison Square Garden Network in New York titled Four Courses. So I wanted to ask you, you get paid to do a show and get free four-course meals. So listen listen to this now. If you can keep that on the air for like the next 10, 15 years, do you realize how much money you're going to save in groceries with the leftovers for lunch and all you'd have to buy is cereal for breakfast? You do that show like seven days a week, right? You're damn right I do. And that, if, if you think I'm not thinking about that when I'm signing a contract to do that damn show, yeah. you're sadly mistaken. I'm telling you something right now. That's the first thing I thought about. The first thing I thought about was free meals. That's the first thing on my radar. Sure, I want, I want my damn check, too, when I finish working. Of course, I want my damn check. But the first thing, the second thing I think about is that damn food. You understand? And and don't think I don't walk in there with Tupperware. I walk in there with Tupperware. I wrap stuff up with aluminum foil. I take stuff home. You understand? Home with me. I bring a cooler. I pack food up that's left over. You understand? You know, they, they call me the Leftover King. That's, that's another nickname of mine. The Leftover King. Leftover King, all right. You know what I'm saying? Super. The Leftover King. The Doggy Bag Man, okay? All right, okay? all right. Now, now, they say Doggy Bag, but who, I mean, how many people actually give their food to their damn dog? They call it a Doggy Bag, but most people eat the damn food their damn self. You understand? Not the freaking restaurants that you're doing your shows at. They ain't no dogs are eating that stuff. Ooh, that. That's good. That's gourmet food. Come that's on, that's, that's gourmet stuff. Yeah. That's stuff that, that a chef makes with, with a smidgen of this. And, and 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 drizzling. You heard the word drizzle used anywhere else? No. Except for rain? No. 
they drizzle they drizzle ingredients into into on top of food. So you, that's that's culinary lingo right there. I'm giving you. I know, and you're not you're not doing these things at Denny's. So you are going to like the really posh places in in Manhattan, right? No, I'm going to places where you got to lay a, a napkin in your damn lap. You understand? Whoa! whoa. And, and if you don't if you don't do it, the the, the waiter lays it in your lap for you. You understand? Oh, this right. is classy stuff. Real classy stuff, man. The, the set, table settings and everything. That's out of my league. And, and you know what? I cross my leg when I sit down. That's how. That's how classy oh. it is. Oh yeah, totally. I cross my leg. Yeah. I cross my leg over. All right. You understand? All right. All right. That's classy stuff. Well, but I'll tell you one thing though. My wife just texted me and was wondering if you could maybe mention our kids' magazine drive at their school. Hey. They're offering killer deals on, say, Ebony, Vanity Fair, Cat Fancy, among others. You're joking, right? Well. Most celebrities either have kids or have relatives with kids, so they know the drill. I'm sure they'd understand if you just did a quick plug. This is exactly why I got a vasectomy at 19. The pressure to meet the sales goals of kids in schools these days is overwhelming. Between you and me, I'm with you. The wife, though, seems to get caught up in it more and more each year. She really wants me to wipe out last year's sales record from some sixth grader. No worries. I'll text her back and make up some excuse. Sorry. Get back to the interview. All right. Here, here we go. Well, let me... I'll, I'll forgive you this time. All right. All right. All right. Sorry. Um, hey, if JB Smoove uh, suddenly like ran Hollywood, what would be your first big move? What needs fixing the most in your opinion? Oh, my God. Nothing, see, nothing means fixing completely. You know, things just need to be fine-tuned. What you would you saying? tweak? What would you just tweak? Fine, just fine-tune. All right. Fine-tune the industry. Everything. I would, I would, uh, I would give. You know what? Here's what I would do. First of all, I would take over the movie industry, and every damn movie would have myself in it. You know what I'm saying? Good call. Whether it's for five minutes, or whether it's for five minutes, or for the whole damn movie. But I was, you know what? Matter of fact, five minutes for JB Smooth in every damn movie. The first face you see, and the last face you see in every damn movie across the across the board. Even any kind of movie. I don't give a damn if it's porn. porn. Uh, uh, Every kind of movie possible. You understand? Uh, big features, independent films, uh, comedies, dramas, uh, uh, science fiction, documentaries, porn, all the movies, every damn thing. This is the first, first face and the last face you see. You understand? Dang. You you think oh, big, man. Just, every, just everything. Just, just not, not the whole damn movie all the time because sometimes I got things to do. And you know how hard it, was, it would be to be in every damn movie for, for five minutes anyway? So five minutes, if I calculate it correctly, if I do five minutes every damn movie, I still have time, my weakness to myself. You understand? Man, man, JB, you're like the wet dream of every agent working today if you pulled the... You, damn right. Damn. I put, see, I put money in my pocket. Here's, here's my motto. I put money in my pocket and your pocket at the same damn time. You damn. understand? Yeah. There All you right. go. There you go. Super. See? All right. Um, hey, last question. Okay. Um, what's been your most memorable moment away from show business as a civilian? As a civilian. Oh, I love to travel, brother. I'm a traveler. I like to see the world. You understand? I got a big trip coming up to Morocco. I don't know what the hell I'm going to oh, do in cool. Morocco, but cool. I plan on going to Morocco. You understand? I, um, I bid on this, uh, at this auction. I bid on the, on the trip to Morocco for 12 days. I cannot wait to ride a camel. I cannot wait to sand surf. I cannot wait, my brother. You understand? Wow. wow. I cannot wait. I'm going to get a little canteen full of water on my hip. You understand? So I get thirsty. I can just drink some... Some water out of my canteen, like 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 they they they, they were doing all those all the, all those big big uh, uh, movies and stuff like that, you know? Yeah, Lawrence you Arabia and stuff. Right. I mean, yeah, you got to get hydrated over there. Just remember that. Start hydrating a couple days before you head over there. I must. I'm. I start early. That's right. You know what I mean? All right. I hydrate early. You know what I mean? And get myself full, and then I hold my pee. I don't know what, you know what the I don't know what the food's like over there though. I mean, you, maybe there's a Burger King or something, but I don't know. The food is, I, no, the food is delicious. You no, know, a part of my trip is also. They're going to teach my wife and I how to make Moroccan food. That's a bonus. Oh, you know all, right, all right. So Super. that's all wrapped in the trip. You see what I'm saying? See, when you go on a trip, you, you wrap things up in your trip. You understand? Little things that people wouldn't think about. Now, when you want to go to Morocco and learn how to make Moroccan food, it's delicious. So you cook? You actually cook? Of course I'll cook. Well, I got to tell you, I'm I'm exhausted. I think I need to towel off after this interview. Uh, I got to hit. Why not? Um, all right, Why then. Not? Do you realize how much stuff you've thrown out that I've had to write down? I mean, you are a teacher on this. This isn't just an interview. You educated. This is what I do, brother. Why should I just watch that take, take, take when I could give, give, give sometimes too? God, but this, this is not for me. So I get paid for it, but it's not for me. It's for you. I'm doing it for you. Okay. You know. You you were you were kind of joshing about being a comedy god about being a comedy god, but you actually are a comedy god. 
You I are. I am. I are. am what I am. Wow. You understand? All right. All right. Okay. All right. There you have it, Mr. J.B. Smooth. Yes, indeed. You know, I'm exhausted all over again after hearing our interview again. Jeez. I mean, that man is maybe the ninth wonder of the world. Oh, J.B. is one funny man. He talks so fast. I don't know how his brain can process stuff. You know, I like JB, but I, honestly, I don't think anyone can top Greg Gutfeld in the co- in the field of comedy. Right now, he is the king of late night. <laughs> and as I've told you many times when you say that, uh, he is not the king of late night. His show well, comes on at like 8 p.m. here out on the West Coast, okay? And back east, it's only up against Colbert, Kimmel, and Fallon for 30 minutes, you know, in the 11 o'clock to midnight hour. If they put on a test pattern on Fox News, their viewers would stay tuned in for a few days. So his ratings mean nothing. Well, I, I might I watch a test pattern on Fox for a few hours, you know, in hopes that regular programming would soon return. But no way I would stay tuned for a few days. That's, that's pure hokum. Hokum? I, I think I'm going to yeah. need to Google hokum after this show. It sounds like a word from an old TV Western like Gunsmoke or Bonanza. Yeah, but anyway, I think we're now going to get uh, to my interview with the musical guests for this episode. Shotgun Kitchen, a very, very cool group of people, very talented musicians and wonderful people. Uh, Dave, can you run the interview? All right, musical guest interview time. Uh, Please say hello to our guest, Shotgun Kitchen. Welcome back to the show, and please identify yourselves, please. Please. This is uh, Kristen Pierce and the lovely Ricky Gonzalez. How's it going? We have John Summer here. I'm Joe. I'm Jessica. And we have uh, Kenneth Morrill on the banjo. How you doing? All right, super. Well, let's deal with the name Shotgun Kitchen for those who maybe aren't familiar with the band. Can one assume that all of you are big proponents of the Second Amendment? If, if you're all big on open carry, also, uh, thank you for not bringing in your AKs uh, tonight because nobody looks like you're strapped. So. I, I think you could more assume the opposite of that. The opposite. <laughs> the opposite. Okay. But, you know, we play kitchen music, and this is kitchen music that'll blow your brains out. So that's Yeah, I would, I would, att- I would, I would yeah. confirm that. All right, super. Uh, hey, what is the band's position on gluten-free beer? A major uh, brewing accomplishment for the health of the world or an embarrassment to beer? Well, you guys want to chime in on that one? I'm not a beer drinker, but... We... It works for me. I think it's an embarrassment. All right, I that's... like beer. Ricky, okay. you're fired. Uh, All right. Sometimes uh, you have to drink gluten-free. Hey, I understand a few of uh, your tunes are now being covered by bands in faraway places. That must make you feel kind of proud of your work. Uh, I'd, I'd love to have people swipe my stuff. So World Wide Web, if you're out there, people have at it. How do you guys feel about this? About I feel work? great about it. That was quite a compliment. We had some bands in, uh, in a band in England play a couple of our songs, a blues band. It was, it was awesome. That would be, that'd be quite a trip. All right. Well, I, I just want to hear you guys play, so let's do okay. this.
is the Spud Goodman Radio Show. Yeah, as I said, that's a very talented band uh, and and just amazing people. So now uh, we're going to get back to the time-wasting conversation we had about me running for office. You freaking signed me up to run for state insurance commissioner. What a lame-ass office. Couldn't you at least have looked into something more fun like head of the state movie commission or something? Well, I don't think that's an elective office. I do remember Gina, our designated laugher, came up with a helpful suggestion that you did not take her up on. Somebody wake me up when something interesting's going on. Oh, honey, I'll keep you posted. Uh, just run it, please. Hey, uh, Spud, can we talk a little bit more about you running for office after the show? I guess this is not the right time to be discussing it, yeah. but creating a little buzz, touching on this could really help mobilize support for your campaign. That's why I decided to bring it up on air. We're talking about free advertising. But aren't there restrictions preventing people in the media from running for office, uh, at least while they're on the air? Hey, hey, hey. It, would I have to like take a leave of absence? That's what I was kind of thinking. And if so, I, I want you know I want to run for something in the summer. I mean, who wants to doorbell in the cold and rain in the fall? Ooh, Charlie, don't surf! A bunch of signs and buttons from my uncle's campaign, and with markers we could oh. just change his names to your spot. I mean, it's yeah. almost the same amount of letters. And hey, now you're talking, Gina. Glad to have you aboard. If this campaign's going to be successful, we're going to need everyone on the show involved, even the interns. But to answer your question, yes, if anyone knew you were on a radio talk show. Uh, if you were the host, there would be demands that you step away from the show during the campaign. But since no one knows who you are, I don't envision any problems. So, so as a nobody, I can stay on the air and still run for office. All right. Well, but I, but understand, I'm not agreeing to this. Okay. I mean, I'm going to think about it. And let you hell know. no, you haven't. Uh, listen, I, I have to admit, I sort of already paid the fees and signed you up at the auditor's office. Uh, you're now running for state insurance commissioner, Spud. What? Well, it seemed like the best bet for you as it was the easiest race to win. The incumbent, <laughs> he's like 80 years old, and he's been accused of taking kickbacks from the insurance industry. Oh, my uncle used to sell insurance. Uh -huh. He did pretty well up to the point he became the school board president and started dating that high school girl. I, and that was a pretty bad career decision. Yeah, but I might say yeah. his wife and kids were pretty darn happy when they sent him off to jail. Well, why didn't you say so? I thought, I thought you said like it didn't matter if we won or lost. Uh, I know I said that. But the old competitive uses started kind of, they took over when I was choosing which office you should run for. Let's just say I do agree to run for office for insurance commissioner or whatever. Uh -huh. Would I have to like wear a blue suit and a red tie to all the events? Because that's a deal breaker for me. I don't even own a red tie or any real tie for that matter. No, I, I understand this. And I was envisioning that you would run as a maverick candidate who pledged to never wear a tie because, now get this, it represents a Berlin Wall between you and the common working man. Yeah, yeah, that might work. Yeah. I don't know. But you do know if I had to like go to a funeral, worst case scenario, and represent the state or something, right. I do own a bolo tie. I bought it at a thrift <laughs> oh. store like 15 years ago or so. Bolo, okay, uh, that's good to know. Uh, I'd say yes! keep that handy. Uh, but like I said, our real objective here, it's not to win, but it's to use this race as a vehicle to establish right. your name first here in the state, then nationally, hopefully with your own syndicated radio talk show. It's worked for a ton of ex-Republican office holders, so why not you? Well, because Republicans listen to AM radio and I'm not a Republican. I mean, who? I think watching Fox News and listening to talk radio has warped your brain about politics and the media. Like I said, on that episode, running for office has worked well for others in the media. Your logic might work inside that right-wing bubble, but for regular human beings in the real world, not so much. And as I said earlier, most people hate politicians. Why not suggest I do telemarketing on the side, too, and, and maybe volunteer at the IRS office in Seattle? I, I think any of those ideas would tip the balance, and your personal security would be at risk, but people already hate you, and Gerald gave you some really bad advice. Yep, he's right, Gerald. Uh, you know, I kind of feel ganged up on here. Can we move on? Yeah, I, I guess. Anyway, we're, we're going to cut to a call-in segment from my mom. Every listener of this show is aware that she always had terrible phones, both her landline at home and her cheap-ass flip phone. Uh, I offered so many times to get her better phones, but no, she always said it wasn't necessary. Um, I, I think this phone call confirms my position. Run it. Uh, Spud, oh, yeah, you've got a caller, but they're saying it's your mother on the line. Do you want to take it or not? Well, of course I have to take it. She's my mom, and I have to take it. 
Uh, is she there? Uh, Mom, are you there? I can't even hear you. You're on your toy phone? You're on your toy phone again. Can you speak up? Hi, Spud. Can you hear me now? Barely. Well, I'm talking as loud as I can. All right. What do you got for me? Well, baby, I've been sort of listening to tonight's show. And first of all, I have to to say it's not that boring so far. No offense. (laughs) But if you took my suggestions on how to make it so exciting and interesting... You could be somebody again instead of doing this stinky little radio show. Mom, seriously, you got to get your Fisher Price phone has got to go. I can barely hear you. I'm gonna have to cut this call. I, I... Are you are you uh, still there? There's no way yeah, I can. I There's no way I can do what you suggested if you can hear me. It's not. They're not. It's not doable that I do makeovers. Uh, you know, on a radio show. I'm not doing my cable show anymore. Makeovers are not going to work on the radio. Hmm. But, 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 you could maybe have a dramatic physical altercation in the studio. That is ratings gold on Jerry Springer's show. You never have anyone go off and say crazy things. <laughs> Fights? People I don't know. I don't, I don't know about... F- I understand that they're real big, you know, on his show, but I don't think we could pull it off. Jerry has a pipeline to a segment of society that I just don't think I have access to, at least not anymore. Maybe I did when I did the cable show, but not these days. I don't know, Spud. I kind of have this gut feeling your listeners are big Jerry Springer show fans. I I realize it'd be tough to stage a fight on the radio. We could try it, but Uh, I don't know. Listen, don't be a pussy, George, or whatever your name is. Listen, if Jerry Springer can entertain millions, then the son who I almost died giving birth to can handle this. Uh, Mrs. Goodman, it's Gerald. I'm the co-host on this show. Hey, hey, don't mind him, Mom. He's not going to be around that much longer. He's only a temporary fill-in. Well, to be accurate, I'm the temporary permanent co-host. All right. Now now you both are boring me. (laughs) I should probably go. Now I have to watch the Bachelor, which I recorded on my car. Now, Spud, last Sunday, said the machine does that record. Mom, Mom, I, 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 trust me, I, I think I hooked up that piece of crap VCR correctly, so you should seriously you know, should record your shows. You should be able to watch The Bachelor, but you really do need to get a DVR. Hey, Jeez. My wife and I still use our VCR when we play videos we shot with the kids growing up. It's really wonderful to reminisce. Uh, listen, Greg, that's nice. I have to go. Bye-bye. But I will see you this weekend. I love you. Yeah, I love you it's, too. It's Gerald. Uh, whatever. You know, when my mom passed, I gave most of her stuff away, but I still have her crappy cordless phone that she had at her apartment and, and her worthless cell phone. I haven't felt right about them being buried, you know, along with other stuff in some landfill for eternity. They have sentimental value to me, I guess. Oh, she would never upgrade that darn cordless phone at her place. I could only hear half of what she was saying most of the time. I know, I know. Okay, what's what's next? Yeah, let me see. Okay, yeah. Let, let, let's cue up my interview with actor-comedian David Koechner. Everyone knows him for those Anchorman movies and, and a ton of other movies and TV shows. He was, he was always a top-shelf guest. Run it, please. All right, please welcome back to our show, actor, writer, comedian, Mr. David Koechner. Hey, welcome back to the show, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, all right. So the last time I had the privilege of interviewing you, you had just tucked in the last of your five children. How can you be a superstar dad in addition to a superstar actor and superstar comedian? That just does not happen in Hollywood. People in your circles have people to tuck kids in and also be surrogate husbands during those long overseas film shoots. You're amazing. Oh, you're very kind. You're very kind. You know, just uh, just don't sleep. Uh, evidently. Just, just just do. You know, you know what I find? I just get up earlier. With each kid, I get up one hour earlier. <laughs> That's the only way I can get something done. Wow. So, okay, well, you're actually you're, you're a real human, and real blood flows through your veins, so we have verified that, because you are you're amazing. That's all I can say. I'll let that go. Um, wow, so that's kind. Thank you. Absolutely. Let's talk Naked Trucker and T-Bones for a second. Any chance that that screenplay you wrote a while back will see its way to the big screen? Don't tease us if it's not going to happen, because that would be cruel. I'd love to say it's happening, but uh, Dave Allen, uh, Trucker, Gruber, has right. moved to Utah, has been there for several years, and so that one's off. But uh, 
myself and Norm Hiscock, who is former head writer for Kids in the Hall and also wrote on Saturday Night Live and currently writes on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, he and I are currently writing a Gerald Tibbins, uh, the T-Bones character screenplay. Oh, super. And that, yes. that might see the light, That might we might be able to see that sometime soon? Uh, I don't, well, we're finishing it up now, so these things take several months to come together, but I have a feeling I might be able to shoot that this year. Oh, all right. So, wow, cool, very cool. Um, okay, well, you did do uh, a movie that I guess is in post-production. It has an amazing, really very cool title. I would buy a ticket just off the name of the movie, Scouts and Zombies. So a bunch of Cub Scouts get eaten by zombies. That's going to be huge. Scouts versus Zombies, that's right. I, I, it was a Paramount picture. It was a lot of fun. Christopher Landon directed. Uh, he, he's done uh, one of those, one or two of those paranormal movies. Uh, great guy. Fun cast. Young cast. A crazy premise, but yeah, uh, a group of scouts go camping and come back to town to find that a zombie apocalypse has begun. Wow, I mean, what more could one ask for a box office smash? You got all the ingredients. <laughs> all right. I hope so. Uh, oh, hey, Dave, i got to ask you this. How does a professional comedian stay funny day after day, week after week, basically year-round? Because I think like maybe being a clairvoyant would be way easier instead of getting up in front of a crowd and figuring out how to make them laugh. Just use your God-given gift of mental telepathy and tell the audience you know, what's going to be occurring in their lives for the next five years. Way easier than writing jokes. How do you write jokes year-round? I like, I like the idea that it's really just all a mind trick. Yeah. It's kind of like levitation and telepathy. Yes. Uh, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't, uh, I don't break it down like that in my head. It's just whatever I think is funny is all I can go off on. And, you know, uh, comedy is so subjective. People, you might have friends that all love the same movie and you don't or, or something like that comedy wise. So, uh, you know, it's just such a broad uh, category. You're able to usually find something for everybody. But really, it comes down to basic, you know, humanity and how we all uh, deal with our day. And you, you, you recognize what's absurd, and then you just point it out in a way that some the other person didn't think about. Well, I, yeah, I guess you, I, yeah, that's that's well stated. Um, I, and, I, and my idea probably would only work in like open mics. It probably wouldn't work the big theaters. So you, you got to, yeah, you're right. Um, well, that's where you have to start. You start with an open mic, and then you make it to a big theater. You see what what works. But I've been doing this forever. I mean, I started doing improv back in '87, maybe '86. Wow. So I mean, that's you know, improvisation is when you really just make it all up at the same time. So I mean, I've had tons of years of being on stage and going okay they laughed at that so you had some second did city I, experience right were you at, with us oh yeah yeah i did the io in chicago and the second city simultaneously and then got hired as a company member to second city and from then on you know uh work just kept coming uh yeah i mean yeah your uh your resume uh, it takes a couple hours to get through it online i gotta say that <laughs> but anyway um you know, I read a, a list of music that you dig. You have really good taste. Lou Reed, The Replacements, Iggy, Wilco. But let me ask you this question. Could you have a best friend who was into, like, Nickelback or Maroon 5? Because that would be very tough for me. Um, yeah, I'm not like that. I'm not going to judge someone else's music, you know, their entire uh, human capacity based on their, their love of one band or another. I mean, I sometimes like to listen to Bread. Uh, so, you know, it doesn't matter. I don't mind bread. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, that, yeah. that's not a deal breaker for me, but all right. I guess uh, I know Nickelback's kind of a cliche kind of punchline, but, uh, I, I, they were the easiest person I could pull out of my butt to use, but yeah. I, I know I, that that poor band has elicited more ill will for no reason. I mean, they, they didn't do anything. Did they just uh, because people judge them as mediocre? I couldn't tell you one Nickelback song, but. How do they boy, they're the whipping boy for for bad music, aren't they? Yeah, it's kind of it's it's the go-to band, really. Yeah, you're yeah. Uh, so all said, right. Well, would you care if I called your mom and asked her for her rice krispie treat recipe? Snap, crackle, rice krispies. My wife wanted me to ask. Uh, I guess that would be okay, but why would your wife want to know my mom's recipe? Uh, she had heard from someone that her rice krispie treats were fabulous. You know, the wife makes a mean batch of rice krispie treats herself, but she's constantly trying to improve in the kitchen. Oh, she's like a type A personality? Yeah, more like type triple A. This can be a bit troubling in other areas of our marriage. Thank God for the pharmaceutical industry. It's been a lifesaver for me. 
Um, let me ask you this question. Um, this is something that's hit me personally. Have you ever thought of running for office? Because I myself of getting some pressure from someone on my show to like run for state insurance commissioner. It doesn't matter really if I win. It's just getting my name out there as a career move. You ever ever thought about running for office in your lifetime? I yeah, I started as a poli sci major. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's what I. That's what my major in college was. And I, I thought I was going to have a career in politics. That's I kind of started thinking that way in about seventh grade. Um, and then I realized as I got deeper into it that it takes so much money and usually have to have a family that's connected. It's you know just a different kind of mob, right? Either connected, yep. Yep. Uh, or you've got st- tons of money, or you're the smartest person in any room you walk into. If a person comes from humble means and doesn't have that money or the backing, that means they're super bright, and that's how they got there. So I, I was disqualified in all three categories, so I thought maybe I'll just be an actor instead. So you don't come from like some dynasty or anything? I was that that okay. That, I, yeah. I sure no, yeah. The dynasty I'm from is farmers. Oh okay, all right, super, all right. Um, hey, what is your favorite time killer on the set as you wait in your trailer? Board games, devouring Jacqueline Suzanne novels, ice sculpting? Because you must have some time killer. <laughs> Reading's good. Uh, if there's a backgammon game on on the set, that was fun. Uh, stuff like that, you know. Yeah, you're right. Board games, or just taking a nap. Yeah. Who doesn't love a nap? Yeah, now, especially with your lifestyle. Absolutely. you got to catch it when you can, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, David, if you were president for a day, what would be your first executive order? What do you think? Executive order that they couldn't repeal? Yes. <clears throat> Maybe I'd go for free health care. Wow, that makes just, too much just, sense. Just, that makes way too much sense. Just to keep stirring the debate, nationalize the banks, free health care, uh, put more... Uh, um, more regulation on the on the stock market. Stuff other people really would go. You don't know what you're talking about. But you know, there's so much there's so much double dealing there. They they just keep weakening uh, the uh, oversight of the Security Exchange Commission. Uh, they they've you know relaxed the oversight so many times. We got in trouble, big trouble once. And my understanding is things aren't really changed. So I guess that's what I would look into. I, I wouldn't think, be popular with the money people. Well, maybe not. But I think. Uh I just think you just laid out Elizabeth Warren's uh, total platform. <laughs> I think I think you need to reconsider your own uh, instincts and run for office. But that's I'll let that go. Uh, All right. I do hope she, I hope she, I hope she runs. Uh, yes. So do I. So do I. Um, last question: uh, What's been your uh, least memorable moment in show business? Something you'd rather forget, but annoying radio talk show hosts keep bringing it up. There's nothing. Uh Nothing really that's so annoying that I can't stand it. I mean, you know, I only was on Saturday Night Live for one season. <clears throat> I guess that's if there's one thing that I would have liked to have changed, it been that. And that was not a pleasant experience because I, I mean, I, I know it's it's. Uh, it's a oh no, I, I had a I, I had a great season. It was almost arbitrary um, compared to anybody else in that cast. I, I would say I had as strong a season as almost everybody except Will. Uh, that year, it was really surprising to myself and everybody else that that decision was made. But it was a West Coast decision, is what I understand. Lauren wanted to keep me on the show, but the West Coast had forced his hand because um, the, the ratings had dropped a little bit. It's the first year the Mad TV premiered, and then mm-hmm. Howard Stern, Stern had a late night show, too, so it kind of impacted the ratings. So West Coast said, We're making changes, and I have to be one of the guys. I got, apparently, some executive didn't dig what I did, and so that was it. So, you know, again, it's arbitrary. And like we were talking about earlier, comedy is subjective. What one person loves, the other person might hate. <clears throat> so, you know, I'm going to ask. But every, every, everything happens for a reason, and, you know, six months later, I met my wife. <clears throat> so that's the way life was supposed to go. Wow. All right. Super. Um, I'm going to steal that rationalization because I'm, I'm going to need that. I am needing it right now, actually. So I'm, I'm, I'm writing that one down. All right. Okay. Well, tell you what, David, you are a great guest. I, I mean, it's amazing. I'm just, I'm just thrilled to, to be able to interview you. Before we let you go, though, I want to thank you so much for checking back in with us again. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Mr. David Keckner. My name is Jerry Prastis, and I'm in sales. It's what I do. The hardest thing in sales is the cold call. I don't have a lead. I don't have an appointment. Now watch and see how it's done. Learn sales techniques from the master. Number one, get them to yes. Number two, the takeaway. Agreement. Masterclass. The number one thing in sales is confidence. It's as easy as... 
It's good to meet you. Yes. Nice day. Yes. Do you believe in education? Yes. I'll show you how to get them to yes. And that's how you sell them. Consider it sold with Jerry Prastis, master salesman. Jerry Prastis is LBGT friendly. I like queers. Yeah, David is a very funny man, like I said. If I knew somebody who knew Lauren Michaels, I would strongly suggest they rehire this guy. Yeah, rehire him. I think it might help out this season, Saturday Night Live. I'm just saying. You know, I still have not watched that show. I was always meaning to over the years, but it's just always on so late. It's only been on 48 years, I think, or something like that. And and it's aired now at 8.30 p.m. on the West Coast, so you should be fine. Oh, really? Well, uh, you know, I think most Saturday nights my wife and I could you know, stay up for that if we got our sleep the night before. Gerald, Dorothy can easily stay up until the sun comes up. Really? She hangs out with me sometimes when I'm in a very intense online video game competition with some other players. It can last for hours and hours. She's a real trooper. Well, I enjoy watching you compete against the other video game players, Chance. You usually come out on top. I'm very proud of you and your gaming skills. Thank you, Dorothy. Uh, I am getting pretty good. You are. Okay. Anyway, um, if you don't mind, uh, I don't think we settled anything by the end of the episode other than me making it clear that I would never, ever run for any office. Uh, that would have been contrary to my brand. You know, uh, I've been reading a lot about how important it is to maintain the integrity of your brand. And for me, Spud Goodman, well, being a public servant is a bit off-brand. Maybe, but... You'll never know for sure if this might have given your career the boost it still needs today. I mean, look at you. You're, you're now hosting a podcast. I did the radio show for over nine years, so I think I am entitled to now cut back on the job stress and host a little podcast. Uh, and I, I'll admit, I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying doing this. That's, yeah, I said it. And now I understand why every living being in this country, and maybe around the world too, has their own podcast you know any moron can do this let's be real i guess you'd be the expert on that spud but uh my dad's thinking about doing his own podcast he hasn't told my mom yet though is she'd go berserk worrying about the neighbors ever hearing him spout off about like 9-11 being an inside job and that jfk jr is still around somewhere oh Well, you know what? I think the jury's still out about JFK Jr. I have read some very interesting information about him on the Internet, and he could soon be teaming up with Donald Trump in his campaign to return to the White House. (laughs) That would be pretty neat, huh? Yeah, you keep reading that stuff on the Internet, okay? Uh, All right, I'm now going to sign off. Uh, I, I think, you know, things went well enough on this one. You know, it, it, it could have moved on along, you know, a little quicker, but it, it wasn't a horrible effort. So, okay. I am Spud Goodman. Be all that you can be. And I mean that. God bless and ciao. Bye-bye. Well, you really are uninformed, Spud. I receive updates from my group Facebook account about things like, for example, Joe Biden being a mafia leader and the head of an international crime syndicate. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Do you want me to sign you up for those alerts, too? Uh, no, and I'm cutting your mic off now. Y'all, fine. Suit yourself. Stay uninformed. You have been listening to the Spud Goodman Radio Show, the Internet's last line of defense in the ongoing battle to rid the world of generic entertainment. The show is written and directed by Spud Goodman, produced by David Brenneman of Rosedale Audio Productions. Original music by Michael Spots and Tom Harmon. Executive producer is Lori Madsen. Video director is TJ Pike. Our interns are Trent Botello and Anna Howell. Live music production and broadcast engineering by On One at the facilities of NWCZ Radio. Opinions expressed on this show do not reflect those of this station, the sponsors, or any living person except Spud Goodman. Copyright 2015 Spud Goodman Productions. David Brenneman speaking.
Inside the Spud Goodman Radio Show Podcast, copyright 2023, Spud Goodman Productions. Most of all, I know the use of torture compromises that which most distinguishes us from our enemies. Our belief that all people, even captured enemies, possess basic human rights which are protected by international conventions the United States not only joined, but for the most part authored. And look, I agree with you, the United States of America is awesome. We are awesome, awesome. We are awesome, awesome. We are awesome, 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 awesome. Our awesome. enemies act awesome. without conscience. We, awesome. Awesome. we must awesome. not. Awesome. Awesome. This executive awesome. summary of the committee's awesome. report awesome. makes clear awesome. Awesome. that acting without conscience awesome. isn't necessary. It isn't even helpful in winning this strange and long war we're fighting. Awesome, 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 awesome. We are awesome, 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 awesome. It's sometimes a hard pill to swallow. It sometimes causes us difficulties at home and abroad. It is sometimes used by our enemies in attempts to hurt us. But the American people are entitled to it nonetheless. They must know when the values that define our nation are intentionally disregarded by our security policies, even those policies that are conducted in secret. They must be able to make informed judgments about whether those policies and the personnel who supported them were justified in compromising our values, whether they served a greater good, or whether, as I believe, they stained our national honor. And the reason they want to have this discussion is not to show how awesome we are. This administration wants to have this discussion to show us how we're not awesome. We are awesome. 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 Now, let us reassert the contrary proposition. That it that is it essential to our success in this war that we ask those who fight it for us to remember at all times that they are defending a sacred ideal of how nations should be governed and conduct their relations with others, even our enemies.